Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 32 The Statue Reads back I didn't know I thought I'd feel relieved. And I do. I'm glad he's alright. But honestly, I can't bear to look at him. I see his usual frown, but it's dotted with scars for the stitches he had. I see his hands as he moves his piece on the chessboard and the bandages that slip out from beneath his hoodie. I notice how tired he gets after a few hours. Or the way he favours the side of his body that didn't smash into someone's windscreen. I may no have been driving that car, but I feel like I was. I may as well have been the one drunkenly behind the wheel. Every time I look at him, every time I see the stitches, the scars and the bandages... I can't breathe. I prefer it when I hear his voice whilst I'm somewhere deep in the shop, looking through a mysterious manuscript or tracing the lines of a painting I swear should be in a museum. I greet him when he comes in, try and plaster a smile on my face and hope he doesn't notice I'm no as happy to see him as I should be. And then I retreat to the antiques. I'll get over this, though. Right? Another special customer came in this week. I hadn't been expecting one so soon after the last, and a part of me was worried I'd have some company in my quiet wee nook. The place had just returned to a level of comfortable chaos, unlike what that bloke searching for the rose had left it in. The lassie that came in wasn't as confident as the bloke had been. She did the hesitant dance a lot of special customers do, worried they've made a mistake, wondering if they can't just put up with whatever the problem is, questioning their sanity. I didn't think the sight of Reed, Finn and Kronos at the counter pretending they weren't doing anything weird, like playing chess with a cat, helped. When I emerged through the aisle, she saw me and followed me over to the counter, finally resolved to embrace the crazy. After rummaging round in her bag, she pulled out the pristine white cart and I dutifully led her upstairs where I was told to make tea. We were in for a good one then. As I was pouring the tea, there was more bag searching and eventually, as the last drippy tea left the spout, she pulled out a wee statue of a man. I didn't really know how to describe it. Bronze in colour, it kind of reminded me of a Greek statue, except on a smaller scale. This was no hero of Homer's Odyssey, no Heracles or Odysseus, but a normal 21st century lad, even down to the skinny jeans hanging far too low on his hips. I didn't really know what to think. 
Thankfully, I wasn't on tenterhooks for long, as the lassie began to explain. Turns out the statue used to be a real bloke. One day, she'd come home to find the house empty, and only the wee figurine where the real man should he been. You'd think by now I wouldn't want to laugh at these customers, but I'm always caught by surprise. At least it wasn't a princess and the frog situation. At least she claimed this statue used to be a real bloke. I was tempted to ask her if she'd tried to kiss it before thinking better of it. The madam asked if she could inspect the statue and picked up the copper man by his heed. It was only when her eyes were more focused on the lassie that I began to think she was just doing it for show and that she already knew what was going on. Placing the statue gently back on the coffee table, the madam explained that there was nothing she could do. The only person who could reverse the curse was the person who'd cast it in the first place. To me, that didn't sound like something the madam would say. She can fix anything, or at least any problem that I've seen. I go to the cabinet of wonders, pull something mysterious out, and the customers are sent on their way, never to darken the front room again with their weird problems. This was a first. I wondered, and I still do, if she was lying but I didn't think I'll ever know. There was, of course, a catch. For me, at least. Madame Norna explained that she could find whoever was responsible and see if they'd consider releasing the man for his current diminutive state. And by she, she meant me. Know that it was obvious at the time. Happily, the customer nodded her agreement but my boss was careful to say that there were no guarantees. The person might insist on the curse being maintained, and there was nothing anyone could do if that were the case. Pessimism wasn't a word this lassie knew well, and the madam's sinister warning went in one ear and out the other. She left the copper man on the coffee table and went on her way. For a few minutes, I was allowed to ponder how the madam would find this person who could turn people into statues. You'd think I'd learn. Before I could ask how the madam would find them, she handed me the statue and began writing on a piece of paper. I didn't know why, but holding this copper man felt weird. Could he feel everything? What if I dropped him? If the copper got dented, what did that mean for him? It looked like I was about to find out. My boss handed me the list of addresses, fanned out across the town. She said they were the places where people who were capable of this kind of thing lived, and that I'd have to find out which one it was. There were three addresses, and it was about to become a long afternoon. I didn't dare put the statue in my pocket, so keeping it in my hand, I went downstairs, armed with addresses, and thankful it wasn't pissing it down outside. As I got my jacket, Reed asked where I was going. I showed the three of them the copper man, 
stopped Kronos' face swiping it onto the floor and told them what was going on. Finn and Reed offered to join me and immediately I refused. I didn't mean to be waspish. I didn't mean for my refusal to sound as sharp as it did. I didn't always need babysitters or people to fret about. What if this person turned them into statues? I wouldn't be able to do anything. Again. There was a strange silence as I left the shop on my way to these addresses, and I was glad to leave. They'd understand. I was only doing it for their own good. They were safe in the shop. I took the bus to the first address. Although it wasn't that far, I probably should have walked. It was in the part of the town where the art students usually hung out. I didn't know many, but whenever our paths crossed, they'd always suggest going for lunch at one of these hipster cafes or drinks at the newest kombucha wine bar. Didn't ask. I've no clue. It's a nice-looking part of town, with red brick buildings and cobbled alleyways. I think it's one of the oldest parts. There's graffiti on some walls and art on others. More second-hand shops than anywhere else, and all of the bars have pretentious names. The address I'd crumpled in my pocket stated the flat number and I gingerly pressed the buzzer on the door. Expecting to have to make up some lie about delivering food, I was surprised when the door lock clicked. Taking a few good glances round me, I pulled the door open and began to hike up the stone stairs to the second floor. The door was large, painted midnight blue, and had a single brass knocker above the peephole. Before I could knock, the door flung open to reveal a lanky, strawberry-blonde lad whose shirt was a few sizes too big, jeans a few sizes too small. He looked about to say something in greeting, but as his eyes grazed across mine, his features fell, and he simply uttered a disappointed, Oh. Friendliness turned into hostility, as he demanded to know what I wanted. I would have pulled out the statue there and then, but these doors weren't as soundproof as they looked. I knew for experience. So I just told the truth, that I was for the shop, assuming that if the madam had his address, then that knowledge had to flow the other way too. His features softened, and he shooed me in like I was a stray cat looking to be fed. Honestly, it was tidier than I'd assumed. Given this part of town, every time I've been in someone's flat around there, it's been an absolute bomb site. This one was organised chaos. There were paintings on the wall, some a bit stranger than I'd have liked to see. There was no telly, and the sofa looked a wee bit worse for wear. But the large sash windows and high ceilings gave the place an airiness that I envied in my wee sardine tin near flat. I pulled out the statue and showed it to him, saying the madam had sent me in his direction. Carefully, the lad took it from my hands and inspected it. The grooves of the torso, the expression on the face, the shape of the legs. 
He practically tossed it back at me and huffed moodily. He was insulted the madam thought him capable of such shoddy work. Besides, he only turned people he wanted to paint into statues, and whoever my statue was, wasn't worth the canvas. I didn't have time to ask any more questions as the knocker on the door went and the guest who he'd been expecting was waiting on the other side. Just like an unwanted cat, knew I'd had my tuna, I was kicked back onto the streets. I didn't really know whether to be disgruntled. It was a bit concerning that he turned people into statues just to paint them, and I wondered if the same fate awaited the guest I'd slid past on the way out. Each to their own. I went to the next address, which wasn't that far away. Another flat in another building on Takeaway Road. You know the ones. It's a straight road, a mile or so, and every shop front is either an Indian or Chinese takeaway, with the occasional chippy smattered in for good measure. I shouldn't be so casual. Gillespie's does the best chips in town. I'd definitely be popping in after I'd been rejected by this next statue-creating stranger. The flat this time was on the top floor, with a grand view of the tenements across the street, and no much further. At least you didn't have neighbours upstairs, except for the pigeons. I used the previous tactic of telling the woman who answered the buzzer that I was for the shop, and she let me through. After refusing tea, she had me sit down beside her cat on the sofa and I half expected the ginger tabby to start talking to me. Normal cats are so dull now. Once more, I removed the statue from my bag and put it on the table between us, beside the pile of magazines. I expected her, like the previous lad, to pick it up and inspect it. Instead, she took one glance at it and leaned back, a satisfied smirk tugging at her lips. The lassie confirmed that it was her handiwork and then voiced her surprise that the customer had been clever enough to find the shop and the madam in the first place. Then, looking me deed in the eyes, asked what I wanted her to do about it. Realising there was something I was missing, I instead asked her who the man was to her and why she'd turned him into copper. I didn't think I'll ever understand why people are so eager to talk about their misdeeds. We weren't even in the shop. Uncrossing her legs and leaning forwards, she prodded the statue carelessly, causing it to rock on its black stand. It was simple, she told me. He was her brother, and he'd lost a bet. So she turned him into a statue. He'd agreed to the terms of the bet, so he knew what he was getting himself into. Stroking her ego, I congratulated her on such a triumph, whilst trying to hide the horror from my features. I didn't have siblings, but I wasn't aware things could get so vicious. I then began the sob story that his wife, the customer, was the one who wanted him turned back because she was missing him. 
the last thing I'd expected her to do was laugh. One of those deep, throaty chuckles that makes you think you know a lot less than you think you do. The woman confessed that her brother didn't have a wife, but his husband had helped her turn him into a statue. Okay, so I knew a lot less than I thought I did. Who the fuck was the customer? I was a bit slow in getting there, but the customer was the one the copper man had been cheating on his husband with. And that was about as far as I wanted to know. The husband and sister had got their heads together and turned this man into a statue as revenge, and had purposely left it somewhere for his mistress to find. Fair enough, but what was I supposed to tell the customer? His sister didn't care. A bet was a bet. I picked up the statue and left the flat, heading back towards the shop, no really knowing which way was up. There was nothing I could do. The madam said only the person who turned him into copper could turn him back. And she'd refused. Maybe in time she'd change her mind, but right now I doubted it. I told the madam what had happened, convinced she already knew, and when the customer came back a day or two later, my boss let me be the one to tell her. I didn't make tea, and I laid out the facts, trying as hard as I could to emulate Madam Norna's calm, silky voice. I didn't think it worked. The lassie left in tears, statue clutched tightly in her hands like rosary beads. I didn't know what to make of this one. I'll never be jealous of my pals wee brothers and sisters, though. What a nightmare that must have been growing up. Your brother steals your Barbies so you turn him into a Christmas tree decoration. I didn't think some people realise how lucky they have it when the worst thing that happens in a sibling fight is one of you gets a wedgie. Should I have felt sympathy for the customer? I'm starting to realise that's no a requirement of this job, or a being the madam. But I do wonder if the madam told the truth, that she couldn't reverse what had happened, or she thought the lesson was better learned the hard way. His features softened and he shooed me in like I was a stray cat looking for a bed. Oops, nope, that's not... (laughs) Nope, that's not what that says. Oh, dear. Carefully, the lad looked... Oop, nope. Oh, my God. I'd definitely pop in after I'd been rejected by this (laughs) nat... He'd agreed to the terms of the bet, so he knew what he was getting himself into. Oh, shit. (gasps) That that was my bones cracking. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm going to have to record that again now, thanks. Oh god, there's the other one. The madam said the only person who turned him into... What? Oh. The madam said the only... Oh my god. How many times? Thank you for listening to episode 32 of The Antique Shop. Episode 33 will be released in two weeks' time. That feels really strange to say, (laughs) 33. 
Well, yeah, the microwave statements only has 25 episodes. So I don't know why it's taken me seven episodes to realise how strange it is to say that. But yeah, episode 33 sounds very strange to me. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> that was my TED talk. <laughs> If you like the show, then please think about leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you'd like to support the show, we have a coffee account. Just search for Ghostly Thistle on coffee.com and donate however much you want. And if you'd like to go above and beyond for the podcast, then recommend us to your friends, colleagues, arch enemies, everybody that you will listen to. If you'd like to get in touch with me, the email address is ghostly.thistle at gmail.com or you can leave me a comment or a message on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Ghostly Thistle. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.